Let us get going. So today's daf is daf Lamed Zayin, page 37 in Meseches Yavamas. We did get up to daf Lamed Zayin, but let us back up and restart the conversation, restart the topic. We're going to back up all the way to Amar Le Rav Ashi Le Rav Hoshia, which is seven lines from the bottom of Lamed Vav Amud Beis. Okay? 36b, seven lines from the bottom, first words on the line, Omar le Rav Ashi le Rav Hoshia. Let us get going, and we're going to restart the conversation. Omar le Rav Ashi le Rav Hoshia. Rav Ashi says to Rav Hoshia, Bered Rav Idi, who was the son of Rav Idi. Hasam Tanan. We learned in a Mishnah elsewhere. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, Kol Adam Shloshim Yom Nefel, any child that lives in a healthy way, in this world, in this world, for thirty days, is not considered a nafel. A nafel is an expression used. The word nafal means to fall. Okay, so a nafel is either going to be a stillborn child or a child that didn't live in this world long enough to be considered viable. Okay, halo But let's say if you have a baby that does not live out thirty days, so we're not sure whether this was considered a living child. The kid Nebuch passes away due to natural causes, 15 days, we'll call it, after being born, 29 days after being born. Now, we can already picture in our mind, you know, we're, we've been learning Yavamas, and we can already picture in our mind, Ive, the ramifications of having a, you know, of somebody having a child, but then that child passing away, um, you know, for example, let's say Reuven marries Rachel, okay? And they don't have any children. Finally, Baruch Hashem, Rachel has a baby. Everybody's so happy. Guess what happens? Her husband dies right after she gives birth. And then her baby dies. So it's possible that her husband now is considered to be dying childless. Because the baby never was considered a living, viable baby. Right? Because the baby died before 30 days. Oh, okay. Right? So at the time that Reuven died, we thought for sure there's not going to be Yibam because there's a child. But Nebuch, after he died, the baby died within 30 days of life. So now maybe there should be Yibam and the brother should be obligated. So we could already picture in our mind the ramifications of being in doubt about a child that, that passes away within 30 days. In the meantime, let's keep going. And we learned about this halach. If you have a child that, that passes away within 30 days, and his mother went and got married to a random guy. Okay. This was the last halacha we were discussing. Listen to this. Ready? Reuven is married to Rachel. That's one step. So far we're good. Reuven's married to Rachel. Listen to what happens. Reuven dies. And Rachel gives birth to a child. Okay. So she has a child. You know what she does? She marries Yaakov. She marries a, a random Yaakov. Not related. Thinking that there's no Yibam or Chalitza to her husband's brother because she had a baby. But you know what happens then? Her baby died within 30 days. So she went and married Yankel. And now they don't know whether she's allowed to stay with Yankel. So you know what we say? Understand? Everybody understand the issue? 
Yeah, right? Says the Gemara, I'll tell you what to do. If Yankul is not a Kohen, we're going to say to the dead husband's brother, listen, do chalitza on Rachel, do chalitza on her, and this way she can stay with her husband. However, however, if Yankul was a Kohen, so now we have a problem, because a Kohen cannot marry a woman who chalitza was done to. So if she's a Kohen, we're not going to say to Shimon, the brother, you know what, just do chalitza out of doubt. Because that's going, to crank, that, that's going to crank open the whole marriage of Rachel and Yaakov and, and start to ruin everything. Either way, you do Chalitza. Ravina said to Rav Misharshia. Now again, Ravina said, if it's married to a Kohen, you don't do Chalitza. Rav Misharshia says, either way, you do Chalitza. So it says Ravina to Rav Mesharshia, now we turn to today's daf, you should know, and this is where we ended off, you're all going to remember this sharp statement, okay, top of today's daf, last night, Rabba said this halacha, meaning that you need chalitza, even if she was married to a Kohen, but the next morning he backed off, and therefore, you're wrong, to which Rav Mesharshia says back to him, oh yeah, Sharisu, really? You're going to let her stay married to the Kohen without a Chalitza? Let me tell you something. You might as well say that Shreif is kosher. Okay. In other words, it's clearly forbidden. And you're wrong in how you're understanding Rava's statement. And this is where we, this is where we ended off. Good evening, Abar. Okay. Says the Gemara. Ask the Gemara an interesting Shiloh. In our case... When you have a pregnant woman or a nursing woman who's married to a Kohen, my, what is the halacha? Do the Rabbanon make it takana? Do they help out the marriage to the Kohen or not? Now, let's pause and understand the question. This is really a brand new question. And it goes like this. We learned in the Mishnah yesterday. That one, we're going, to see, we're going to learn today why, and yesterday we said we're going to have to wait. One cannot marry a pregnant woman or a nursing woman. Clearly pregnant. You have a woman who's pregnant, eight months pregnant, now let her marry her. You have to wait till she gives birth. Even though, is there going to be any question about the kids' yichas? No. Is there any question about whether she's married or not? No. Her, her husband died. Yeah? You're not let her marry a pregnant woman. We're going to see why. Even if a woman's nursing, you have to wait till the baby's weaned. You're not allowed to marry her while the baby's nursing. Okay, says the Gemara like this. Fine. We're going <laughs> to see why again on both those. But putting the why aside, you're not supposed to. Ask the Gemara a basic question basic, based off of the last conversation, and that's like this. What if I did go ahead and marry a pregnant woman or a nursing woman? What if I did? So if you're a regular Yisrael, you know what we'll say to the guy? You shouldn't have. Separate, or we'll see, either separate, divorce, we'll see what you have to do, and then you'll take her back. When she's not pregnant anymore, she's not nursing anymore. But if the husband, the man who married the pregnant woman is a Kohen, yeah, if, if he divorces her, he's not allowed to take her back. A Kohen can't take back his divorcee. Okay? So the Gemara is asking, what would we do? Me of would the Rabbana be lenient on the Kohen in this scenario and say, you know what, you shouldn't have done it, but we don't want to destroy this forever, and therefore you guys can keep your marriage going. 
That's the Gemara Shaila. What would be with the Kayan? So here we go. Amar Le, says back, Hachi Hashta, why would you compare this case to our previous case of, of uh, Yibum? Bishlama Hasam, by the kid who died within 30 days, and we want to say the Kohen doesn't do Chalitza, Kivan Dikar Abban, the Palagalid of Shingamliel. Since there's the opinion of the Abbanu Argon of Shingamliel, and what do they hold? The Amri, they say, Afagav, Deloy, Shohavlad, even though this kid did not wait, meaning, unfortunately, even though this kid did not stay alive, um, Vlad Ma'al Yahave, he's considered to be a totally healthy child. So therefore, when it comes to the wife of a Kohen, Kivan Delo Efsher, since it doesn't make sense to, uh, to follow the opinion and say, oh, do Chalitza, because now there's no way her husband could ever get her back. So we're going to follow the opinion of the Rabbanon, but in our case where a Kohen went and married a pregnant nursing woman, who should we follow to say to be lenient? If you're going to follow the opinion of a mayor, Rav Meir is not, not lenient. Rav Meir says, you got to get divorced. See you later, alligator. And if it's the Rabbanon, get. They say you need a full-fledged get. Bottom line is, at this stage, you know what we see from here? That if a Kohen jumps the gun and he marries a pregnant woman or a nursing woman in a forbidden way, we're going to tell him, you got to end the marriage. Aye, but then if I do that, I can never take her back. All right, what's the last letter of the olive base? Tough. All right, it is. As I get this. Fine. Here we go. Itmar, we learned, new case, ready, brand new Gumar. Here we go. Itmar's statement. Kitsha besoch shlosha. Fascinating case. A guy does kedushin on a woman within three months of her previous marriage. Is he allowed to do that? No, you have to wait three months, right? But what if he did it? Now listen to what happened. He put a ring on her finger, ubarach, and he ran away. Okay. Why did he run away? The authorities are chasing him. But here's the main idea. You ready? Here's the main idea. Is there any chance that if she's pregnant, the baby came from him? No. He put a ring on her finger and, and headed for the hills. So why do we say, and it's a fascinating point, says the Gemara like this. Why do we say that a second man cannot marry a woman within three months? Because we got to know the baby's yichus. Says the Gemara, a fascinating question. What about acquiring her, doing garrison, and then running away? Okay. See, here we go. Says the Gemara, Rav Acha and Raphram have a machlaikas. Chadomar Misham One opinion is, is Misham Which is um, that Misham literally means, as we learned previously, we kind of put him in a cherim. We distance him. Okay? We distance him. We're not happy with what he did. Bhadamar, another opinion says, no, a ruka mistaye. The fact that he ran away shows that he plans on following the halacha. Why did he head for the hills? Says Rashi explains it. Why do you have to know? Because he's showing us, listen, I know what the issue is, but I also want to make sure this woman doesn't get away. Yeah, I, I, I want to make sure that nobody else you know, catches her first. We got a, we got a big catch over here. So I'm going to do Kedushin, and then I'm going to leave. Eh? Okay. So, Hava Ovda, there's a story that happened. 
Okay, a guy did this. A guy did kedusha on a woman within three months. For Omar Luhu Rafram and Rafram said Iruka Mistaya. Okay, that listen. The fact that he ran away shows that he's a. Uh, we consider him still to be a good guy. You don't need to put him in harem and consider that he Just did something sure wrong. That his interests are kept. That's right. Yeah, yeah. in a Hanami. You're right, but. You know, you know the, this that we were saying. They got to wait the three months again. If a guy has a way to circumvent it, and there's other reasons why, um, there's other reasons why uh, um, he's he's cre- he's creating the erison, the initial stage of marriage. Okay, we're not uh, we're not going to encourage it. But we're also not going to put him in harem because of that. Fine, two dots. All right, two dots means we're back to the next part of our mission. Here we go. The mission said. Suffolk ben Tisha v'chulu. This was the last case of the Mishnah. So let us look back at the beginning of our parak on Lamed Hay Amad Bey's 35a. Okay? 35b. Sorry, 35b, the top of, of our new parak. So what did the Mishnah say? So if you look at the very last lines of the Mishnah, we said like this. The case was a guy marries his Yavama, and it turns out that she is pregnant. So we say, if it's a living child, they need to bring a carbon chatas. If the child ends up not making it, so then he's allowed to keep her as a wife. Now what if you don't know, now that, that so far so good, why are you allowed to keep her as a wife? Because she's your Yavama. Okay, fine. They never had a baby. Now the Mishnah ends off like this. This was the last case. This is what the Gemara is going on. We all have the place? Yeah, last two lines of the Mishnah. What if the baby's alive, but you don't know whether it was the original brother's baby or the second brother's baby? Yeah, again, the, the Yava married her after two months, let's say. And now seven months later, she has a baby, a living baby. So two men had relations with her, two brothers. <laughs> we don't know which one's the father. Now, th- let's think about it for a moment. Is there a real problem with the baby? No. <clears throat> I'll tell you why there's no problem with the baby. You know why? Because if the baby is Reuven's son, the baby is Reuven's son. No problem, the, the, right, the original husband. If the baby is the second husband's son, so is there a problem with the baby? No. So that, that baby is coming through a Yibam. So either it's going to be, right, it's either going to be Ruven's son, exactly, and even if it's Shimon's son, he's certainly not a mamzer, because Shimon's just perpetuating his brother's marriage, and no problem whatsoever. Excellent. However, you know what we're going to say, but we're still going to say to Shimon, you got to divorce your wife. Why? Why does he need to get rid of her? Because there's a chance that he wasn't allowed to be married in the first place. In case this is Ruven's baby, if the baby's really the original brother's baby, so the second brother's not allowed to be married to her. So the baby's okay in his yichus, but the second marriage cannot remain. Clear? Do we, do we get that? You get why the second, the second brother can't stay? And, you, and what does each of them do? What does the Yavam and Yavama do, or the Suffolk? Each one brings an Asham Talui. They're each going to bring a sacrifice of a maybe sin. Because they don't know if they sinned. If this child is Reuven's kid... They sinned. If the child is Shimon's kid, they didn't sin. And whenever you have a situation like that, you're bringing Asham Toli. That is what our Gemara is getting into. Let us look inside. Here we go. 
Suffolk ben we're not sure if this child is a nine month from Reuven or a seven month from, uh, from Shimon. Amalei Rabbi Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi says to Rabbi Nachman, Leima halachacha Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Nachman tishin yaldon. Such a basic, beautiful question. Stripping it down. Let me ask you a question. You ready for this? A lady gives birth. What's the first question people ask? Boy or girl? Huh? What's the next question? How much does it weigh? I'm not so sure. I have to, I have to look into the Kabbalah of this. Why? <laughs> how this whole thing started. Why question number two is... How, you know, how big? And then question number three is like, how's the mother? Okay. Does anybody ask, was it a nine month or a seven month? No, no one asked that question. You know what the assumption is? Nine months. That's the assumption. Right? So ask the Gemara like this. Shimon marries the widow. And seven months later, baby's born. Well, we don't know who the father says. Well, of course you do. Come on. Most pregnancies are nine-month pregnancies. Why don't you just assume that it was the original husband's kid and this is a nine-month pregnancy? Come on. That's what Gemara is asking. The Gemara just, it's, it's like a come on question. Yeah? Rov Nashim Letisha Yodan. Most women have nine-month pregnancies. This is not a real suffix. It's not a real doubt. You know, 90% of the time, that's what's happening. Answer the Gemara, Amar Nashi Didan Letisha Yodan. No, our women give birth at seven months. In my city. He says, okay, fine. In your city. He says, okay, go take a poll. The women in your city are in most of the world. All right? So give me a break. Nine months. Come on. That, <laughs> follow the right. So he answers the Gemara. He says to him, this is what I mean to say. You're right. Majority of women are giving birth after nine months. And a miot of them are giving birth after seven months. However, v'chol hayoledes letisha, he says, here's why there's a problem and we don't follow the chazaka. Listen closely. Again, let's remind us, what was the question? The question is, why don't we just assume it's a nine-month pregnancy? So here's the catch. Ready? This is beautiful. V'chol hayoledes letisha, anytime a woman has a nine-month pregnancy, obra nikr l'shlish yameha, generally, a woman starts showing a third of the way in, meaning three months. Three months into the pregnancy, at the end of the third month, a woman starts showing. Now, in our case of our Mishnah, let's talk for a moment. Was the woman showing pregnancy? No, obviously not, because if she was showing pregnancy, no brother would have done evil. So, Vizu, this situation, since she wasn't showing at that point, Israeli Ruba, that gives us more reason to assume, you know something? This taka might be a seven-month kid. Meaning, the fact that she's not showing at the usual time, combined with the chance that this baby might, may have come from a second husband and be a seven-month pregnancy, that itself breaks the rove assumption of a nine-month pregnancy. Ask the Gemara, If it's really true that every woman who gives birth at the, at the nine months, she starts to show by three months, since it was not noticeable in this case, so ask the Gemara a great question. We're flipping the tables. Before we said, oh, it's certainly a nine-month pregnancy, right? Now we're saying, one second. If she wasn't showing it in three months, why doesn't this tell us it's certainly not a nine-month pregnancy? Yeah, why don't we assume it's a seven-month pregnancy and... Let the husband and wife stay together. Let Shimon stay married to Rachel because it must be they had a valid marriage. 
Says the Gemara, Ela'ima rather say, Rov Hayoldos Latisha over Nicholas Ishamel. Not every woman with a nine month pregnancy shows a three month, but most women. This woman, the fact that she didn't show, Israel Ruba, that weakens the majority. Period. End of that conversation. Okay? Bottom line's like this. Let's just talk outside. We could call this math. You can call this math. And the way it works is you have majority of pregnancies are nine months. But majority of those majority of pregnancies that are nine months, the women will show a third of the way in. So whenever you have uh, uh, other reasons counterbalancing those two things, we're gonna, that's going to knock out the row. For example, oh, one second. You're right. It's usually nine months, but you know there, there's an issue with that because those nine months that show most of the women, most of the, most of the nine month pregnancies, most of the women show a third of the way in. This woman wasn't showing, and interestingly, this baby's born seven months after a second husband. So com- with with that combined, kind of balances out the scale to tell us, you know what, this whole case is a doubt. We're really, really, really unsure what to do about this. And since we're really unsure what to do about it, we're going to tell the couple to separate. But of course, the baby's okay. Beseder, fine. Now, let's introduce the next Bryson. The Mishnah had said, what's the status of the baby? Again, the Yava married a pregnant Yavama, baby's born seven months later. What do we say? The baby's okay. Baby's okay. Because either way, no matter who the father is, Hakol Beseder, this baby's Yichus um, is going to be, is, is uh, going to work perfectly. Says the Gemara like this, Tan Rabbanon. The rabbis learned, and so should we. Rishon Ro'i Lihios Kohen Gadol. The first child is fit to be a Kohen Gadol. Let's say you have a Kohen who passes away and his Kohen brother does Yibum. Okay, so we're not sure. Ready for this? We're not sure whether the child that's born after seven months, we'll call it, uh, who the father is. But either way, he's fit to be the Kohen Gadol, meaning there's no question at all to his status. However, says the Gemara, what if they stay married? Ready for this? We said they got to separate. However, Vishen Imams are misophic. If there's a second child, let's say they don't get divorced like they were supposed to. Okay? The second kid is a mamzer misafik. I want to ask you a question. Why? Why is it a mamzer misafik? Very basic. Ready for this? If you, if you hop this logic, I want to make sure we get this because if we get this, this shows that we're totally, we have clarity as to what's happening. I want to back up, okay? Let's talk. Reuven was a Kohen married to Rachel. Reuven dies. His brother Shimon does Yibum on Rachel after two months. He doesn't wait like he's supposed to. He does Yibum after two months. Seven months later, a baby is born. Who's the father of this baby? It doesn't really matter. Because if it's Reuven... So then this baby is the child of the original father. He's a total Kohen, this baby. Right? Reuven was a Kohen. And if he's the child of Shimon, who was a Kohen, he's the child of Shimon. No problem whatsoever. The Mishnah had said, but Shimon has to divorce Rachel. They need to separate. Because there's a chance that there was no Yibum 
Maybe this is Ruvain's kid. There's no Yibam, and now you're sleeping with your brother's wife. You're not allowed to do that. But your right, but it's even usher to sleep with a brother's wife if he dies, unless he's childless. But now that the baby might be Ruvain's, so now Ruvain has a child, so it's still biblically usher to, to live with his wife. Okay? That's the Chiddush of Yibam. You have a woman who's biblically forbidden to you, but Yibam says, now you have a mitzvah. Okay. Now listen to this. Shimon remains married to Rachel against Halacha, and they have another kid. Herzichain, you ready for this? This second kid might be a mamzer. Why? Because if Shimon is not allowed to be married to Rachel, and they're having a baby, this baby's certainly coming from this relationship. And this relationship is a suffix whether it's allowed. It could be, if, if the first kid was really Reuven's, Shimon and Rachel were not allowed to be together, and therefore this kid's a mamzer. Right. So the first brothers could fit to be the Kohen Gadol, there's no problem whatsoever with his ichus. The second kid might be a mamzer, because his parents have a suffix, a doubt of being a chiv karis. Rabbi Loz ben Yaakov Omer, ain't mamzer mi suffix. No, he's not a mamzer from suffix. My Komar says, Gemara, why not? The logic we just said, saying you are a mamzer from Suffolk, makes a lot of sense. Why in the world is Rav Lezbin Yaakov saying you're not a mamzer from Suffolk? Answers the Gemara. Rav Amar Abay Abay says, This is what Rav Lezbin Yaakov means. Rishon is The first kid is fit to be a kind of mamzer. The second one is a Suffolk mamzer. He, he might actually have good yichus. So here's the problem. He might be a mamzer, but you, usually a mamzer can marry a mamzeres. Here, this kid cannot even marry a mamzeres because there's also a chance that he's a regular Yisrael. But Blas Yaakov, I to this. Blas Yaakov says, ain't no suffix mamzer. We don't treat him like a suffix mamzer. Elavadai mamzer, umutibah mamzeres. We consider him to be a certain mamzer and therefore he is, uh, he is permitted to marry a mamzeres. Now Rashi says, why? Why would, a, why would you be permitted to marry a mamzeres? There's a chance you have good yichus. So Rashi explains that when the Torah says that a mamzer and a mamzeres, lo yavo b'kahal Hashem, the words of the Pasuk are, a mamzer cannot come into the kahal Hashem, means it's only forbidden to marry somebody who has clear purity in their yichus. But somebody who does not have clear purity in their yichus would still be permitted to marry a mamzer mamzeres. So this kid who doesn't have clear purity, there's a chance he's a mamzer, a chance that he's not would be permitted to marry a mamzeris. Now, Rav Amar, Rav says, this is what we mean to say. Risha and Royal Elias, the first kid certainly fit to be Kohen Gadol because there's no doubt as to his yichas. Again, if Ruvain's his father, he's fine. If Shimon's his father, he's fine. However, Vishini, mamzer, vade, misafik, umut, mamzeris. The second child is like a certain mamzer because of his suffix, and therefore he's put to marry mamzeris. No, we do not Treat him like a certain mamzer. The suffix mamzer, mamzeres. He's a suffix mamzer, and he's not allowed to marry mamzeres. So exactly the opposite of how we originally understood Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov. And this this uh, conversation is uh, between Abai and Rava is arguing on the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. Let's explain the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. The Tanan we learned in a Mishnah in Kedushin. Here we go. Rabbi Lazar Omar, Rabbi Lazar says, Vadoin bevadoin mutter. Okay. What is Vadoin bevadoin? If you have people 
who is, you have somebody who's a certain mamzer. Can that certain mamzer marry a certain mamzeris? Yeah. Right? Two people, we know exactly what they are. They can marry each other. Vadoyim besafik. What about somebody who's a certain mamzer? Marrying a suffolk mamzer. Usveikon bevadoyim. Or a suffolk with a vaday. Usveikon besveikon. Or even a suffolk mamzer to a suffolk mamzeris. You understand why that's also a problem? If there's a doubt about the, about the chassan that he's a mamzer, and there's a doubt about the kal that she's a mamzeris, could they marry? No. Because there's a possibility one's really a mamzer, one's really not. Okay? So in all those cases, you're usher. You're not allowed to marry. The Elohain Sveikon. These are cases of doubtful yichas. Ready? Shtuki. A shtuki. Va'asufi. Bekusi. Okay. A shtuki is a... You, know, you ever heard, heard of the word shtika? Yeah? Shtika. Quiet. How do they say uh, quiet in, uh, in class? I'm sorry. Bevak uh, shtika. Sheket. Sheket vakasha. Okay. Shtika is, is quiet. So you ready for this? Rashi says, you know what a shtuki is? A kid says to his mother, where's daddy? And Ma says, shh. We don't ask such questions. Okay. So when a shtuki, when a mother quiets the kid, so such a child is, uh, you know, is a suffix. We're like, okay, something's going on over here. We're, we're not, uh, okay. A sufi, it comes from the word asaf. This can be if nebuch, you have a kid. That there's a, let's say you have a kid left at your front door with a note. Please take care of my child. You don't know who the mother is. You don't know who the father is. Yeah? So now, it, why would we assume that there's a problem? Because why are they leaving him at the front door? Yeah, that maybe there's something going on with the parents for whatever reason. It's not only because they, you know, they're running away, but okay. Now you have to know, the halacha, it's interesting, because if there's outside circumstances that would actually tell us that the parents are running away for their physical safety, it might be different. But over here, suffice it to say, there's an asufi. We don't know the mother, we don't know the father. Okay. The kusi and a kusi. All right, we've come across the case of the kusi, a number of times that these were uh, people who who um, were, are unsure what their status is in Kali Yisrael. Amr Rav Yudah says, Amr Rav Lachka, Rav Lazar, Rav says, Lachka like Rav Lazar, Kiyam Rizikam, Rizikam, Shmuel, Rav Lachka, when I said this Lachka in front of Shmuel, he says to me, Hillel Shona, Hillel Toros, Asara Yuchsin, Olami Bavu. This is so, so fascinating. Ready? There were 10 groups of Yichus that came up for the second base Hamikdash from Bavel. You ready? You ready? There were 10 groups of people. Kahani, Levi, Yisraeli. Chalale, Chalalem are children of Kahanim. That let's say a, a Kohen marries a divorcee. Okay, so it's forbidden, but the kid's not a mamzer. So the kid's called a Chal. He like loses his status as a Kohen. Where does he come? Huh? Does he go back to Levi or does he go back to. Yeah, he's like, yeah, but he, he's considered regular Yisrael. Oh. Yeah, except regular Yisrael. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't have the regular status of a Kohen. The word Chalal is, uh, you know, now he's, he's lacking Kedusha, like Chol, lacking Kedusha. Geirei, there are groups of converts. Charurei, groups of, of uh, Evakananim who were freed. Mamzerei, groups of Mamzerim. Groups of Nesinim. Shtuki Vasufi, Vukulu Mutarim Lavei Zebezeh. You know what this price says? It's amazing. All of these people are permitted to intermarry. 
you're telling me Allah is like Rabbi Lazar. What did Rabbi Lazar just say? If you even have a doubt about somebody's status, you can't marry because maybe they're in a different group. Over here, you see everybody's intermarrying with each other. There's no problem whatsoever. All right? Fine. Now, the Mepharshim here explained that obviously it doesn't mean that you had a regular Kohen who's marrying a Mamzer. Right? That's not the case. But what we're saying is that in all these categories of Suffolk, they were intermarrying with each other. Bottom line is, you see that Sveikas can intermarry. Okay. Abai says the Gemara, Abai holds like Shmuel who says, Alacha is like Hillel. And they married. And Abai was understanding of Rabbi Yaakov according to the halacha, meaning according to Hill. Uh, I'm sorry, as opposed to Hill. In order that we shouldn't ask a contradiction of one halacha onto another halacha. Memela, once we say that halacha is like Hill, that you're allowed to have these, uh, these marriages. So he says, Halacha is like Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Rabbi Sabar, however, Rabbi holds. Rava Savar la Kirav. Rava holds the opinion of Rav. Amar la Kiraba. Lazar umuki la la Rabbi Lazar Yaakov aliva de Hogaza. And he holds Rabbi Lazar Yaakov is following the Allah of Rabbi Lazar ki hechi so that the laitikshi, there shouldn't be any questions. We now turn to the top of Lamid Zayan Amud Bez. Hilkasa, Hilkasa, one halacha onto another halacha. Okay, so bottom line is that we have a machoikas tanoim if. Somebody who is a Suffolk Mamzer is allowed to marry somebody who is a Vadai Mamzer. Hillel says a Suffolk Mamzer can marry a Vadai Mamzer. Rabbi Lazar says a Suffolk Mamzer cannot marry a Vadai Mamzer. Abaye holds like Hillel and Rava holds like Rabbi Lazar. That's basically all we've done. Okay? What we've done is, you know what we did? We created teams. Mm-hmm. Alright? Bottom line. Abaye and Hillel on one side. Rava and Rabbi Lazar on the other side again. And what's the machlokas? Whether a Suffolk mamzer can marry a Vade mamzer. Hillel says yes. Rabbi Lazar says no. That's, that's the bottom line that we're walking away with. Okay. Amr Abai. Abai says, Mena Aminola. How do I know? The call Sveika, the Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, Kevade Mashvileh. That Rabbi Lazar Yaakov considers a regular Suffolk like a Vadai, and therefore they could intermarry. The Tanya we learned Rabbi Lazar Yaakov Omer Al Noshim Harbe. Let's see, have a guy. He's he's sleeping around with a lot of women. Okay, he's he's had relations with a lot of women. Okay, and um, say I guess there's a whole bunch of women together. And he knows he had relations with a bunch of them. He's not sure exactly which ones. Okay. And also if you have a woman who's, who has relations with a lot of men. And she's not sure. She becomes... becomes yeah. Right. Father's Day is confusing for her. So, you know what could come out? It's going to come out that a father will marry a daughter. A brother will marry a sister. And the whole world is filled with zima. The world is filled with zima. It's filled with promiscuity. Okay. Now, what does this mean? So, if you step back and take a broad view, just look at the picture. You ready for this? You have a, you have a guy 
He's living with a lot of women. He doesn't know who. Should we assume that maybe one's his sister? Um, maybe yeah, maybe no. Okay? Maybe yeah, maybe no. Yeah, or vice versa. Still we're saying, you know what there's a concern about? Ready for this? The world might be filled with mom's hair. Because people view this like, view relations like a tefker. Oh, you're just having relations with whoever you want. There's no kedusha to this. There's no holiness to this. We're just... So now, says Abaye, because of this, you see from here, very clearly, that if we're going to consider the world to be full of mamzerim, a possible mamzer is considered a definite mamzer. Why are you calling it mamzerim? It's just a possibility. You see, possible is like a definite. And therefore, they're allowed to have relations. And therefore, a suffix mamzer can marry a vade. The Rav Amrlach Rav is going to say, no, Chikamar Zu Mahi. You know what you know what it means? It just means people are going to be so confused. Zumahi, what is all this? It's it's possible. Yishkayach, it's possible, but it's not like we mamish consider them to be vaday mamzerim. In addition to this, Rabbi Ben Yaakov says we're now just going to go on a little bit of a tangent in this category. Ready? A person should not start a family in the United States and go start a new family in Europe. Wow. Okay? Shouldn't have two families. You know why? You hear these stories. Right? Sometimes these stories make it to the news. Yet twins divided at birth. Whatever they were. They turned out to be best friends. It says like this. You have a guy who has a family in one place. He's got a family in another place when he's on a business trip. You shouldn't do that. Because your kids aren't going to know each other. They might go off to college one day. They might uh, meet up at a, at a chasna. And they don't even know their siblings. And it's going to come out to have a mamzer. They're taka siblings. They didn't even know it. V'nimtza is going to turn out. A brother could marry a sister. Says Gmarinia, come on. Really? You're telling me a man can't have two families two different places? Is that really true? Listen to this. When Rav would show up to the city of Dardashir, Machris, he would make an announcement, and he would say, Man no, which lady here is going to be my wife for the day? When Rav Nachman would come to Shchansiv, Machris, Vomar, Man So you see, these guys, these, these are my Ram had families. And still, whenever they went to a different city, they would make an announcement that uh, I want another wife here. Says the Gemara, Shain Rabban, the Mifka Shmail. Rabban are different, you know why? Kids of G'dayle Adar know that the kids are Adar, right? When Reb Chaim Kanievsky and Zechariah Brachel's children were dating, yeah, there's a good chance that on the first date they were talking about their father. So therefore, there's no concern that if you have a family in one place, and another place, that they're not going to chop, that they're siblings. Okay. Says the Gemara, Avamar Rabba, Tavuli Nasev in Espaisa. If let's say somebody asks a woman to marry him, will you marry me? He proposes to her. And she says, yeah. She needs to wait Zion uh, Nikim. This is a general question on what they did. Okay, they went, they said, who's going to be married to me for a date? Now here's the problem. And somebody once shared with me, you know, there's some people who have a minhug. I'm not sure where the minhug started. There are people who have a minhug before the wedding to not see each other for seven days. You ever heard of such a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Where does it come from? It's not really in the svarim. The only svar I've ever heard 
of this is okay. They do it. People do it to make it more exciting. Uh, to them. The only story I ever heard is actually what the Gemara is saying right here, and that that is like this: Chazal teach us that when a woman gets excited about a marriage, there's the uterus can release a flow, what's called dam chimut, blood that comes from a a chimut, a feel a very strong feeling of love. It can lead to nida. Okay? So I've heard that maybe this is one of the sources for the custom, that for seven days, so to not cause any dam chimud from the excitement, and it shouldn't become a chupas nida. Okay, I'm not sure if that's the reason, if that's true. Chvais, you could ask a lot of questions on that as it is. Um, but suffice it to say, okay, but suffice it to say, the Gemara is asking a basic question. We said Ra, Rav and Rav Nachman, they show up to the city, who's going to be my wife today? Who's going to be your wife today? You know what? Even if you marry her, even if anybody agrees, you got to wait a week. So it ain't today. A good Takasha says, You're right. They would send their messengers ahead of them. They would send their shamish ahead to, to, you know, to let people know they're coming. Or if you want, you could say, In the case of the Rabbanon, which by the way is going to clarify the whole story here, that they actually, Ravan of Nachman, they went to these towns just and they would make this announcement for Yichud. The Yomar Rav, not to have relations. You can't compare somebody who's got bread in his basket to somebody who does not have bread in his basket. Okay? Pause. There's a beautiful message in life over here. It's a beautiful message. I want to clarify what the Gemara just said. If anybody here is bothered as to why Rav and Rav Nachman, when they go to a different city, they were married, they had families. <coughs> They show up to the town. Who's me and my wife for the day? Let me ask you a question. Why are their wives back at home thinking? You think they're happy with this? <laughs> yeah. He's getting together with another woman in some far off country. Yeah, don't try this at home. Right? This is not, a, this is not a, advisable for any of us. Right? But there's a beautiful message here. You know what they did this for? Says the Gemara, incredible. When a person is away from their family, they are vulnerable to sinning. And if you think you're not, as a man, you know what this means? You're a liar. <laughs> you know what it means? If Rav and Rav Nachman look at themselves and they say, you know, when I'm away from my family, I'm not vulnerable to a sin? No, I am. So you know what they did? Listen to how they protected themselves from sinning. You know what they did? They would have heiress, they would marry a woman for the day. They wouldn't live with the woman, but at least there would be a woman who's permitted to them in their location. And the way the Yitzhahara works is, the Yitzhahara, it's more gishmak to do something in a way of sin than in a way where it's a mitzvah. So the moment they turned it into a mitzvah, the Yitzhahara left. And that's how they protected themselves. The Yitzhahara thought, you're going to marry another woman that's a mitzvah. Forget it, I'm out of here. You shouldn't have any desire for anybody. Finito. Says the Gemara, you can't compare someone who has bread in the basket. When a person has bread in their basket, they don't feel as hungry. If a person doesn't have bread in the basket, you're starving. Oh, where's my next meal coming from? So Rav and Rav Nachman is gishmak, amazing. Yeah? Even though we, we're not going to try this. <laughs> we're not going to try this at home. You go to the city, huh? However, the message in life of just being true and understanding how the Yitzhahara works and how open we need to be with ourselves to know 
where weaknesses can creep in. As great as, as look at these great chachamim, and they were protecting themselves from averus. How much more so do we? Tana we learned in Abraisa, Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov Aimer, Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov says. A person should not marry a wife in, in, with a das to divorce her. Do not, you know, um, uh, play games basically with uh, with other people, you know, uh, and make it look like you planned on being married to them, and then afterwards, you know, you say, "Have a nice day." Now, the chachamim obviously made it clear. They said, "Who wants to marry me for the day?" So the women, they weren't doing this transgression with the women. But the Gemara is clarifying for us that just because you're reading this story doesn't mean that this that a person should go ahead and start to you know play games with somebody. And this is stam is a, is, is a, an important thing in life. Um, it's it's mamish. We got to finish the daf. But I, I, you can't skip over this. You mamish can't skip over this lesson. Okay. Sometimes it, I want to share. I, I personally suffer from this. If you're a nice guy. And you're nice to people. Sometimes you could lead them on the wrong derech. You could make them think you're actually interested in something, and because you, you're too, you feel too bad to say no. And then it gets to the point where you're like, okay, this is too much. And th- th- these people who didn't happen in the first place, they were off socially, whatever it was. They they just didn't see it coming. Says Reb Lazar ben Yaakov, a person should not even even if to me it wasn't my intent, but a person should not do an action. To cause other people to misunderstand where I'm holding in my relationship with them. Okay. Says the Gemara, If you have a suffix, a person who's unsure what they're, and, and you have a Yavam, who come to take the estate of the brother who passed away. Suffix Gemara, the one who's unsure. Okay, I'm unsure whether this is a nine month child, right? I don't know if it's my father. So Suffix Gemara, Suffix, you understand the problem? The baby now. Reuven and Shimon. Shimon jumped too early to marry the kid. Now we don't know, seven-month kid, nine-month kid. Who, who inherits Reuven's estate? So the kid's going to say, oh, that was my papa. And the brother says, no, it was your papa. You're my kid. <laughs> right? So I'm the one who inherits the estate. So here we go. I'm the one who's the son. I got the estate. I took the place. You're my kid. You don't get nothing. Have a moment. This we're unsure what to do with the finances. And any money that lies in Suffolk, we divide. If you have an uncertain child and the sons of the Yavam, they want to take the they want to take the estate of the first brother. The Suffolk says, "Who gabra bar yeah, I am the kid of the original father. I get the money. I mean, the children of the Yom say, no, you are our brother. Our father was your father too. Okay? And therefore, you, you, we will allow you to split with us. thought to say, that really, the halacha in this case could be found in a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, he doesn't inherit them, but they do inherit him. Okay, let's say you have this uncertain brother now. You don't know who the father is. He dies. Who inherits him? Do we look at the other brother and say, oh, you shared the same father, so you inherit him? Or not. 
Here, in our case, it's the opposite. Hasam, over there, they said, you bring a proof, you're our brother, and take it. But over here, in this case, you bring a, a raya, that you're my brothers, and take it. says, can you compare the two cases? In the case of, our, of the Mishnah over there, so they are certain... Um, inheritors, and he is uncertain because he doesn't know whose father is. But in this case, everybody here is a suffix because if their father wasn't really a Yavam in the first place, he should not have got the estate, and therefore they wouldn't get it either. So everybody here is a suffix. And if you're going to compare it to our Mishnah, this is how you should compare it. You have a suffix child, you don't know who the father is, and the sons of the Yavam, they want to take the estate of the Yavam himself. Oh, so there we know that they certainly get something. They can say to him, listen, I don't know if you're my brother. We don't know you're our brother. Bring a proof you're our brother. And then we'll allow you to take with us. But whenever you have a vada against a suffix, again, you're going to follow the vada. The vada means certain. You're going to the, the certain. The, the ones who certainly inherit are going to divide it until the one who's in doubt proves that he gets a portion along with them. In the next case, what if you have a suffix, the suffix kid of our Mishnah, and the sons of the Yavam, they come to divide the estate of the Yavam. The boss of the poly Yavam, and after this, the Yavam, had already taken the original estate of his brother. So B'nai Yavam Amri, so the children of the Yavam say, listen, I see Raya Dasuna Advishak, will bring a proof that you're a brother, and then you can take, otherwise you would get the garnished. You don't, we don't know you're our brother. Amar Lahu Savik, the Savik says, Manav Shaykhu. Listen to his Svar, this makes a lot of sense. Manav Shaykhu means Manav Shaykh, either way. If I'm your brother... I get a portion equal to you. And if I'm the son of the original brother, you get nothing. I'm the only inheritor. Give me back my father's property. says, Come, Dina, and the original halacha remains. Meaning, once you divide the property and give it over to the Yavam, you can't say Manavshach. You can't say, oh, it could have been that it was originally mine. So, therefore, we're just going to view the entire property like it belongs to the Yavam. Revir Yamar, Revir Mir says, no, Hadar Dina, Taka, in this case, a Suffolk, in this, in this fourth Shaila, um, the Halacha, the money would go back. Says the Gemara, I'm going to move along just to uh, wrap this up. Let's say the Machlaikas over here between Ravab and Yermia is Machlaikas. Already between Admain and the Rabbanon in a Mishnah. The time we learned in a Mishnah. Listen to this case. Fascinating case. A guy goes overseas. And he comes back and he finds that the, the way to get to his field has been lost. All right. Now, he's got a field swallowed up amongst other fields. The only way to get there is through a path. He comes back. He doesn't know. He has to walk through other people's fields now to get to his field. He doesn't know where the path is. Admain says, Yedich Bektzara. Whatever the shortest route to your field is, you're allowed to take that route. Chum say no. He's got to pay. He's got to pay. You, 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 if you want a path to your field and you don't know where, where your rights were, whoever's field you're going to do, you got to pay money. And we asked the rabbi, and according to the rabbi, shop your kamar admin. Admin's making sense. Yeah, listen, we know there was a path to your field, so go take the shortest route. Rabbi says, in the name of Rabbi, we're dealing with where we're dealing with. Where, where you had a property which is surrounded by four different owners in all four directions, and if so, my time at Adman must be used for Adman. Meaning, meaning it, you can't just say take the shortest route 
Because maybe the route you're going to take is through somebody else's field, and originally your path was from uh, Shimon's field. Now you're taking a short path through Reuben's field. How do you know you're allowed to do this? So what's talk of the Svara for Admin? You could take any short path you want, the shortest path possible. We're dealing with four owners, and they're all coming from the same original source of ownership. Or you have four owners coming from one owner that originally sold it to them, so there was always this initial path. Everybody agrees that each owner could push him off and say, oh, you can't take my field as a path. Take somebody else's field as a path. Keep Ligi. Where's there a machlokas? Only when you have one owner now in all direction who's coming from four previous owners. Adman Zavar Adman says, Let the owner of the field now say to the guy who lost his path, listen, either way, uh, you know, your path is going through my field. For Rabbanon Sabri, and the Rabbanon say, the Amar Leh, we say to him, Isha, Isha, Isha Shasakt. If you're quiet, I'll, I'll give you a good price. But otherwise, I have the upper hand. The Eli, and if you don't agree to have a fair price for your path, I'm going to go back to the original owners, and you're going to end up with nothing, because there were four owners originally. And you won't win out your court case against any of them. Let's say Ravav holds like the Ravon of Ravirmiya, the Omar Ke Admain. Ravirmiya is holding like Admain. Last step for today. Omar Lach Ravav. Ravav is going to say, no, I know the army. If you look at Admain, I could even paskin like Admain, Adkan, like Omar Admain Hassam. Elam Yishum, the Omar Leh, Meman of Shach. Lulam Yishmai, Admain held that the owner of the outside fields can say, you can't take a path from me, is because he can say to him, Meman of Shach. No matter how no no matter how you view it, darki chad uh, you know one of my fasts are going to be with you. So take the shortest one. But over here, nobody can say that. Meaning, if you're unsure when it comes to the inheritance, can anybody say No, and therefore, um, there and therefore, there's no claim. Okay, we're gonna we're almost we're almost done. We already uh, moved along pretty fast. We're gonna hold it here for today. Tomorrow we're going to go back the uh, you know one or two steps, get our heads back in the game, and move along until the next Mishnah. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.